the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track. Get yourself 40% off. Download the draft guide. It's incredible. So much detail, so much uh, thought, research, opinion. The rankings are there. There's 75 deep dives into prospects for the upcoming NBA draft. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today to get yourself started. Check out dynastyowner.com. It's fantasy football time. It's certainly dynasty time with the draft and free agency behind us. Plenty of roster moves, plenty of rosters moves still to come and extensions and trades and some roster cuts down to 53. All of that matters when you're playing dynasty owner because it's real NFL salaries, real NFL rosters, and you have to make real NFL transactions pretty much every week, just like the big boys do. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Use code SPOTTRACK20. Get yourself $20 off when you sign up today. It's time for Dynasty Fantasy Football. Visit DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Wednesday. We uh, One show this week. I took a little vacay with the fam. Watched, watched the Mets in person. Of course, the game they lost against the Marlins, even though they won the other three. Always good to be at City Field, though. So uh, appreciate you giving me some, some leeway on the Monday podcast. But we're certainly here for the second end of this week. And it's a Scott Allen NBA draft special, not just draft NBA off season, some bold questions about players, about teams. And a lot of talk about the upcoming draft year, which teams might move around, which teams need certain, certain things, which windows of contentions should be ready to strike, should be ready to subtract, maybe add a few players. How's the top three, four, five going to look in the NBA draft coming up tomorrow. Lots of deep dives into the upcoming off season, starting with the NBA draft. Thursday night. So that's next. Scott Allen and the NBA. All right, Scott, before we move forward to the 2022-23 NBA season, let's look backwards. I know you've done some work on cleaning house with the cap and tax situations from last seasons. Now that things are all set with the NBA finals, where do we stand? Where's your assessment on uh, who's going to be paying taxes? Who might be close? You know how these things kind of trickle down to the last second here. Yeah, it ended up about seven teams, uh, according to our numbers, right. will be paying the tax. So that includes the Golden State Warriors at 170 million, <laughs> and again, that's on top of the payroll that they already have. Is to that pay. a record, that's, Scott? It is a record. Yeah. Um, and then followed by Brooklyn at 97.7 million, and then the uh, LA Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, Los Angeles Lakers. Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers round out the top seven there. Okay, no surprises there. Um, yeah, the, what, one of the things that was interesting was the Boston Celtics actually ended up below the tax after all was calculated. Mm. So they were slightly above, but after doing some uh, incentive, uh, once the finals were all done and those were cleaned up, uh, they ended up coming out below the tax. So that was Pretty big for Boston here. Yeah, I think Brad Stevens knew exactly what he was doing at that deadline. He, uh, it was a math move, and it was also a roster move with that Derek Wright acquisition, certainly Al Horford as well. The, the Clippers stand out to me because a lot of, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, look, they, they certainly didn't get their bang for their buck. Guess what? This was Golden State exactly one calendar year ago, right? This was the team that yep. still had the massive payroll that was one of the worst teams in basketball. Maybe this was two years ago now, actually. And... Uh, they were doing this on purpose. They were holding down the fort. They understood what they were as a roster from an injury standpoint. And a lot of team, a lot of people and a lot of betting sites have the Clippers very, very high next year. So while you're surprised to see them there this year after what they just went through, it's a, it's a calculated plan, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and there's not much they could do because those those players were already under contract. They knew re-signing Kawhi. They were banking on the long term with him, knowing that he was potentially going to miss that uh, season due to injury. It's a similar situation with uh, Kevin Durant going to the Nets. They knew he was going to miss or even Clay being out. Um, so moving forward now, you know, he, he's going to come back. Hopefully he's a hundred percent. Hopefully Paul George is a hundred percent. They made some trade deadline acquisitions to try to set themselves up for this upcoming season. Yeah. And so we'll see what they do in free agency here. All right. We'll get to some off season stuff in a second here. Anything else from last season you want to wrap up or should we move forward here? Um, I mean, as I mentioned with the incentives, after going through them with Keith, uh, we, there were 18 players that ended up earning incentives last season. Some of the more notable ones were Spencer Dinwiddie earned $2.17 million. Jalen Brown, because of how deep they got into the playoffs and into the finals, he ended up with $1.93 million. And Drew Holiday had just over a million dollars for some statistical and all defensive stats. And just to be clear, that hits last year's capital <clears throat> tax, right? That's not like a rollover situation yeah, gets, like other sports have. Right. Great point. That that gets recalculated for the 21-22. So I have to go through, update the likely to be earned and unlikely to be earned for 21-22. And then go forward and update those to be likely to be earned in any years that are in the future. So there is some, some effect to this upcoming cap in terms of some of those likely incentives going forward. Yeah. All right. Correct. Let's get to it. Let's get to the new season. Um, you tell me, where do you want to start here? Because obviously the draft is about 24 hours away. You want to kind of run through these rookie scale situations to help people understand what the number one might cost versus if we get down out of the lottery and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a look at those draft. I, po I posted an article uh, breaking down what the rookie scale is going to look like, how much players are going to earn, uh, some of the caveats with how the rookie scale is structured. And I mean, there is a baseline that the NBA has dictated in the in the when the new CBA was calculated. And now the rookie scale goes up based off of the cap going up or down with with what what on with the pandemic. They made sure that the rookie scale still had a, a, an effect going up. So the salaries were going there. So the range that could happen with the rookie scale is it's based off of the 100 percent rookie scale baseline. But rookies can sign up to 120 percent of that rookie scale or as low as 80% of the rookie scale, which is very rare. Yeah. Talk about drafting somebody without confidence, right? <laughs> well, it, it, and, it, and I say it's rare. It has happened where the first or the second year has been 80% uh, for like one or two players in the last five or six years because of a, you know, a certain team. They're, they're really tight on money and going 120% is going to hurt them. So there's been instances where there's been negotiation of that. But for the most part, if a, a rookie signs, it's going to be at the 120% mark. Okay. So what are we looking for for the number one overall pick? Yeah, so we're looking at a four-year, $49.4 million yeah, overall total. The, the first year will be $10.9 million. And then... It goes all the way down to 30th pick to give a comparison. The 30th pick would be a four-year, $11.1 million. Yeah. 
falling top 10 kind of top 11 gets you about 20 million plus this year. Uh, that's good coin. Do you think that the rookie scale is calculate calculating properly right now? Or do you think this is a point of contention come next CBA? No, I think it's the right thing. I think they made a gr- great move of basing it off of a s- the straight percentage of the cap as opposed to the old formula that was, you know, like super secret, can't figure it out, you know, percentages and all that. And it lagged that, behind. It, it kind of, it I mean, the NFL has started seeing that a little bit, in my opinion. I think the NFL is lagging behind with their rookie money, but, but you know, versus top tier money at any single position. I, I think the NBA will get to that point eventually. But there's less people to, to to worry about. So, I, and by the way, you can get to an extension quicker in the NBA, which is a very important point. You're right. You can get to an extension quicker, and there's a little bit more of protections built in in the NBA versus the uh, NFL contract, where with a rookie scale, they're allowed to have two options within cl- club team options. Mm-hmm in the contract for years three and four, whereas in the NFL, we know there are no options outside of that fifth-year option. Okay, but let's talk so, about the guarantees a little bit, Scott. What, are every, is every first-round two-year contract fully guaranteed? Yeah, so how it works is it, it for all intents and purposes, guaranteed money, and the year three and year four are options, which they would decline and sort of unguaranteed then decline the option so that they wouldn't owe years three or four if they were declining in year three. So there's, it's, it's guaranteed until it's not. Got it. Um, so the first two years are automatically guaranteed. Then you have years three and four. Now in the NBA, how those options work with the rookie scale is different than if it was just a veteran club team option where year three is going to be due the year before and year four is going to be due the year before that. So uh, they have until October 31st of the year proceeding to exercise those options. So right now going into this free agency year, you're going to start seeing as we get closer into September, October rookie scale extensions that are being exercised options for two years ago and three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so that gives the team, uh, some control where they can say, all right, we're, we're going to decline it, but they'll become a free agent and then they can go from there or they just lock them in and they guarantee automatically that salary and they know they're on the books and they go from there. So you mentioned the extensions. We're looking at the, the 2019 first rounders this off season, correct? That'd be the John Morant's, the Zion's, the RJ Barrett's of the world. Yes, that is correct. What's your sense on that draft class as we kind of, you know, get ready to, to break in a new draft class here in a couple of hours? What, how did that 2019 draft class kind of shake out after looking down this list a little bit? I think there's going to be a, a decent amount of extensions. Keith is going to be working on yeah. running through all of those like he did last year, which was really good. He was pretty spot on on some of those extensions. But I, I think... I'm looking well, too. I think it's about at least half, right? I, I was going to say around a half, yeah. somewhere between a third and a half. And and that's usually where we see it come in. Uh, if I remember correctly, I did some analytics last year, the year before, and it usually comes in between a, a third to a half will get extensions. So more a half so. would be high then in your opinion? A half would probably okay. be high. I think it's probably more closer to the third mark where... It's probably eight to 
Um, hmm. Nine uh, of well, these. Why don't we run down the top ten? Because you've got you've got a better handle on this than I think I would. But Zion's going to happen. Zion's going to happen. Morant's probably already happened. Right? <laughs> Behind the yes, scenes. that is that's hundred <laughs> percent. RJ's happening, right? I mean, the Knicks don't get these kind of players. He, they got to extend him. Yeah, I think with the way he ended the year last year, yeah. he he probably earned himself an extension. I don't think it will be a maximum, uh, but you I don't. think he will. I don't. Keith may say different. I, I don't think that the Knicks. I think they're in an overpay situation with the Knicks. I think he's okay. one of the best players they've had come in the system in a long time. I know he's not one of the best players in the NBA, but that's those are two different conversations. Right. And and, and you make you make a great point about that because we we usually see if a team feels they need to go that fifth year, right, then they'll they have to go to the max. And if they feel Barrett is just getting into his prime, they will they will pay that high to lock in knowing that the ceiling is even higher than they may have originally thought. Yeah. And it takes those, it takes these players, you know, six to eight years to really get into the flow. So if the Knicks feel that he is that guy moving forward, then I, I won't be shocked if they come back with at least a 25% max. I also think there's going to be some irrational financial confidence with these franchises, knowing that the TV money's coming. I mean, everybody's about to yep. get paid. It's going to be a massive trickle down situation. Yes, there's some COVID stuff to repay and some IOUs that have to get tacked off by the league, but I still think there's a really good amount of money coming to every owner over the next 24 months here. And guys like this are just going to be slam dunks. Just pay him. Let's not, I, don't, I don't even want to think about it. Let's just pay him and get out of this conversation. So I think he's in that conversation. Certainly Darius Garland's in that conversation for me. I think he's done enough in Cleveland. What about DeAndre Hunter? Yeah, I've seen a few rumors or reports coming out about his situation. Yeah. I, I I believe he's probably going to get an extension. Um, I, I don't see why not. Um, There's going to be some sort of subtraction in Atlanta this offseason. There is. I don't think it's going to be him though. I do not either. And it, it, if it is, then, you know, then that new team can deal with the upcoming situation, uh, you know, but I think out of these top five, I think extensions will most likely come out of these top five. Jared Culver. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a less than less than maybe for me. What about yeah, that's, Kobe White? Yeah, because Chicago's uh, got a lot of uh, a lot of t- irons in the fire here. They do, and Kobe White was on the trade block, I yeah. believe, at the trade deadline. So I, I'm going to say he's probably a likely not. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, Lonzo's injury situation is weird right now. It, I guess I'll say likely not, but with the conversation that you and I have been having offline, if you think Kobe White has yeah. any sort of uh, trade value moving forward, but you know he's not going to be on your team, that it, it's a do do you trade him? Do not extend him and trade him during the season where his value is low based off of his his salary or. Do you extend him, wait a year, see where his market value may be in another year once the poison pill is up, and then trade him next season when he's got a little bit more? You know, he he may be in a situation where he's obviously not going to be a max, but do you go and do a, you know, a, 
what Golden State did with Steph Curry, where That's they didn't really know what he was, but they gave him a four-year, $44 million. So you gave him something, you had team control, but it was with a monetary value that was good for salary matching purposes. I, I think the, the, the outer line point you're trying to make there, which I completely agree with, is extending him just makes it easier to trade him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and extending him now... Uh, opens up the ability to trade him sooner, right? Right. So th- if you wait until after this season, then you're right. You get into an off season where you can ex- still extend him and 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 process some sort of sign and trade, but it's going to be a, a problem for your situation. It hurts the, the the roster. It hurts your ability to continue to build quickly. So I think Chicago's too damn good to screw around with things like this. If he's a, if he's a tradable asset, and you don't want to trade him immediately, you're, or you don't think your value to trade him right now is proper. Then just pay him, hammer out a, a fifteen million per year contract or something around there. You know your your second or third tier, and get him on the books so that you can move him at the proper time. I think that's probably what a lot of these questionable names are going to have in, the, in front of them over the next couple of months here. Jackson Hayes, uh, I think he's a player. I think New Orleans has to pull that trigger. Yes, agreed. Yeah, your neck of the woods, Rui Hachimura. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's a question mark. This team I mean, has got to stop paying bad players early. They do. So they do. That's why I say it's a question mark. I, I think I've got to see what they do in free agency. Where is Bradley Beal going to be? You know, what is that con- roster construction going to be over the next two to two and a half months? He's probably one, if I had to guess, that's going to come down into late o- October, uh, whether they decide they want to. Yeah. throw an extension out there. I, I don't think with him specifically, you need to extend him. If you really want him, you can probably uh, wait and do a restrictive free agency situation with him and then, you know, re-sign him as a free agent if it comes to that. Same for Cam Reddish? Feels like it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't think the yeah, Knicks will I double agree. dip on that right now. Okay. Anything else with the NBA draft you want to discuss outside of who may go one, two, three, because, you know, that's not really our neck of the woods, but we can discuss it if you want. I think the, I think the roster construction of those bad teams right now is fascinating. Do you want to dive down that? Or do you want to switch over to, I have, I've got a loophole for you here. I've got about 10 off season questions I want to get to. Okay. <clears throat> so well, I, are yeah, you, let's are you go. confident enough to go with those kind of questions right now? Or do you want to sort of dive into some of these prospects quickly? Um, because I've been in 21, 22 cleaning up mode and development mode with our management tool and trying to clean some of those bugs up with the, I have not dove into the draft prospects as much as outside of the top four. So we could probably go with the the questions that you have. All right. I'll give you one that sort of crosses both lines then, right? Orlando is going to be the topic of discussion, the top, you know, the soup du jour here over the next 24 hours. I don't think they're moving out of number one, but I, I'm not going to call it inconceivable because if they if they like a certain player more than another, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people think it's going to be Chet Holmgren. I don't, so I, I still think this is Jabari Smith's pick. So I, I, yep. I think we I think you, all three of us here, right? You, me, and Keith all kind of concurred on that. That is not the betting favorite. That is not what many people close to the Magic are saying. Most people are saying it's going to be Chet. I think there's a situation here where Orlando can be very, very smart with their roster building over the next 24 hours, Scott, because 
OKC is sitting there and Houston is sitting there as well. And both have very different needs, in my opinion. And so does Orlando. Orlando, Orlando kind of needs a mixed bag. They found lightning in a bottle last year in Wagner. They have three or four guards that really could kind of grow up in the next two years and, and work out as a, as a solid backcourt. So picking the right player right now, like picking a wing like Jabari, who can do a little five, who can play a little four, can maybe even be a little on ball three for you at times. I just think he's a franchise changer. And if you sell this properly, if you sell the fact that Chet is probably the best prospect in this draft, then you've got to be able to get picks for him. You've got to be able to move back. You follow this stuff a lot closer than I do, and I, and I do so with other sports. So I see this a lot in the NFL, sometimes in other leagues, you know, hockey quite a bit too. It's just not common, right? It's just, it just doesn't happen in the NBA where you see top of the draft movement that that's this you know specific. Is it even possible for Orlando to do this with with Houston or, or OKC over the next twenty four hours? Mm, it's very rare. I like know. You said, but it's why? Very, very rare. I feel like they have so much leverage to do this right now. And, you know, you make a great point because if you remember back to some of these drafts where what was it, Cleveland with the Anthony Bennett, <laughs> everyone was up in arms with what was going to go on, and they still made a pick. Why not back? Why not drop down? Yeah. I, I th- maybe it's because OKC has so much draft capital. Everybody knows it. I wouldn't right. be trying to fleece them at this point. I would be calling Sam Presti and saying, Sam, this is how this is going to work. All right. We won the lottery. You didn't. We, we went an extra pick out of this situation. All right. So we're going to do this. You're going to do this. And we're going to make this work. And I, I think they have all the leverage in the world to do this. And if he says no, you hang up the phone and you, and you draft Chet Holmgren. And then you call them again and say, all right, now do you want them? <laughs> right? I, I just think they have so much leverage in the world. Um, I don't think it's going to go down that way. I think it'll be a lot more cut and dry and vanilla. But I believe that because of the situation that the top three teams are in, there should be discussion about movement. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it doesn't get talked about enough. It's, it's a rare situation for a team to go up from, you know, three or four up to one just to get that number one overall pick. They sort of yeah. they read the tea leaves and hope that they get whatever is left over out of those top three because they have the top, you know, those top three that we're talking about are pretty much, sure. you know, if, if you get one of them, you're satisfied with either one of those. I agree with your point. Oklahoma City has as many uh, assets built up that maybe now is the time to yeah. jump on it. If you feel that there is a player that you absolutely must have, but if they're in a, if they're in a situation where they're happy, if Chet falls to them or they're happy with Smith falls to them either way, then I think you stay pat and use those picks to go do something else. You know, we've, we saw them make a trade with Denver a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that will eventually process here. So I think with that team specifically, they could probably hold pad if they're they're satisfied with either of the players that are going to fall to them. You're referencing Houston. Say it again. You're talking Houston here, right? With that move and 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 where they're headed in this draft. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma City had done a, a trade too, but I think Houston's is in a similar situation as Very. well. The, the other. The other thing that teams have to be careful with is there's a rule in the NBA where you can only trade 
first round picks uh, mm. alternating years. So, you know, in, in the in the Houston Dallas pick that tr- or, or that trade, that trade will not process until the number 26 pick has been drafted because a pick is already owed to another team in 23. So they have to be careful of what picks that they are trading. Uh, So, and then in a similar situation with the, the Denver, Oklahoma city, the, the protections that have come through there have not come through officially because the trade hasn't gone official because they're waiting to see, you know, if they made the trade right now, the protections on that 27, 2027 first round pick could only go through 2028. Whereas if they wait until this draft happens, they can push those protections back to 2029 if they needed to have some conveying language in there because of the alternating and a, a seven year rule for where the things can happen. So, um, those are the reasons that those trades have not gone through. And, you know, some of the, depending on what teams have already thrown out there for their draft picks for first round picks may cause some issues too. So let me tell you the reason I'm bringing this up. I'm not just trying to stir the pot and be hot stove Mike here. There's been a lot of movement on Paulo. uh, Have you seen the odds? I have. And Yes, that's part of, you know, good PR work. You know, I mean, every, not, there, believe nothing close to any draft, not just the NBA draft. But the movement on Paolo makes a lot of sense, right? A lot of people are, are seeing his work, are, are actually studying more of his tape now, trying to fit him into one of these three teams. And I think the consensus is this guy could play in, in any of these teams. And that's right. That's exactly mm-hmm. who he is. He is a standout offensive weapon. Maybe not more, you know, as two-way as some of these others, but he is a standout offensive weapon. My point is this. It could also just be that the other, the top two teams we're talking about here, Orlando and OKC, right, are basically saying, let's, let's, get, let's get him into the conversation because if we've got three people at the top, now the conversation turns to, we might take everybody. And now you have to play ball with me. Now somebody has to play ball with me. In other words, if we just come out here and say Chet's the guy, or it's between Chet and Jabari, OKC's just going to take the second best option. And they're going to sit on their hands. But bringing the third guy in, especially with if Houston's out in terms of trading up, right? Based on what you're talking about here, and I think you're right. Now there's three players for two teams. You understand that what I'm saying? They're creating do. the imbalance. Yep which to me screams, we're trying to get an asset out of this. We're trying to get OKC to give up some of these picks to get up and get their guy. And we're going to be the ones who's happy with whoever falls to two. I don't think it's the wrong move for Orlando. I really don't. Now, Orlando's been great with number one overall picks in their history. They certainly have been. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to knock their, their history with this, but I think they have a chance to steal a pick or two here, and I think they should. That's all I'm saying. And okay. I don't even care how fair it enough. Falls. I don't even care yeah, how it no. falls. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I, I'm... I'm kind of glad that there's a, a three players being talked about instead of the one person we know is going to be the number one overall pick. It's similar to the NBA, uh, NFL draft where yeah. we had no idea really who was going to go number one. It, it's just good, good content. And, and you know, it allows teams to negotiate jockey, whatever it may be. So um, I, my guess is 
most likely it just ends up going chalk. You know, yeah. chalk. <laughs> what is the, the, give me the team that's going to come up. You don't have to tell me where or how or for who, but tell me the team that you think will be aggressive because I'm going to ask that same question from an off season perspective as well. Um, I have three. Okay. I think <laughs> that's a I know, softball that's, answer. Let's go. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, all right, I'll give you two. New Orleans yeah. or yeah. Washington. Oh, okay. Washington surprises me. I, I think, and I, and this is just me. I have not heard anything about Washington wanting to move up, so no uh, aggregators or anything. Uh, they need a point guard. And if Sacramento is truly looking to trade out, and I, I, I've heard, you know, and I'm sure you've heard Jordan Ivey a gazillion times going to number four. I've heard him as high as four. I've heard him, you know, being projected lower than such. But those teams need point guards moving forward. So if, if that is a player that they've targeted and want to move up to four with Sacramento to make that that move, then those are two teams I think could potentially do so. Why wouldn't Detroit be in this conversation for you? Mm, to, meaning to move up? Yeah. If, if, we're, if the consensus is this is a four-man draft, I, I think it's a little bit deeper than that, but I, right? If, if, if the consensus is it's a four-man draft and you could put essentially you know, the fourth best player in this draft next to Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham and a couple of other big men that they've brought in over there, right? Sonic Bay, they, they've, got a, they've got a roster starting to formulate in Detroit. They are on the path. And I don't think it's about just going big in free agency for them. I still think they have to stay young right now. Why wouldn't they give themselves the best available possible you know, draft pick here? Or do you think there's just going to be somebody good enough at five they can, they can sit on their hands? Yeah, I think that the latter is the case. Okay. And if, if, if it's being... If it's being projected that it's going to be an an Ivy that's a point guard, you know why why move up to go necessarily get that and and give up assets to do one step when you can just stay where you're at and have somebody that is going to fit your roster a bit better. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to give you one more team. You tell me your thoughts. Tell me why the Knicks wouldn't be overly aggressive right now. Also need a point guard sitting right behind Washington in this order. Yeah, and that and that was my third team that I was going to say could potentially move up. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- Do they just not have the assets to get to, to to number four right now? I'd have to check and see what kind of uh, draft capital that they have as far as player assets. Maybe, <laughs> but I don't necessarily know if the assets that they have on their roster is what Sacramento would want. Right. Right. Okay. I expect something there. I think you're right with the Pelicans. Uh, Why wouldn't they be aggressive at this point? They're about to pay Zion. They brought in, I think, a really good arsenal to sort of build around them. Why wouldn't you try to get the absolute best option at the point guard position to try to fill this thing out and round out that team? I think that's right. So, I hope that's the team. I think that's a franchise that deserves this because I think they've done a lot of things properly over the past four years here. So that's clearly my team. I think it's your team too for lottery aggressive list over the past 24 hours. Let's yes. see what happens. All right. A couple of uh, veteran questions for you, sir. Yep. Let's stay on the teams and then we'll get to some players. 
I, 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 uh, I foreshadowed this one. The most active off-season team may be. Oh, most active. Ooh, that's a that's a good one because I think there's going to be a few teams that are yeah are active. Um, oh could man, be, that could be an addition or a subtraction conversation, by the way. Yeah, it it absolutely could. You know what? I'm going to say the Lakers. Oh my god, I, I, that is. I think of all the teams that is last on my list of no, activity. I, and, <laughs> no, and, and here's why. And I, I alluded to it offline yesterday too when we were talking. <laughs> I, I think, I think LeBron was frustrated so much last season, and he does not like to have back-to-back losing seasons where he's going to make sure things get done. I, I think they're going to do whatever they can to fix that roster, whether it be wow. Anthony Davis get moved or Russell Westbrook get moved. I saw a rumor that or it wasn't a rumor. Uh, it was uh, a conversation on Zach Lowe's pod that was talked about that, you know, the Indiana Pacers had some discussions with the Lakers for Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So there are teams out there that will kick the tires on Westbrook. So I'm going to say the Lakers for the fact that LeBron he is going to want to do everything in his power to be back in the playoffs, be back going deep into the playoffs and having a team that is sustainable. Well, you just buried my lead because my team's Indiana. (laughs) Okay. My team's Indiana. I think there are two solid subtractions in Brogdon and Turner. And I think that then means massive additions that would free up two superstar uh, salary cap abilities plus trade options. They've got exceptions. They've got a lot of ways to do this, that decent draft capital. Uh, I think the end of that season, and I know there's a lot of garbage time at the end of NBA seasons, regular seasons, but I think they've, they turned a corner. The Halliburton trade was an absolute fleece in my opinion. I realized they gave up Sabonis who is an offensive weapon, but maybe not much more and not a good fit for a lot of offenses. By the way, he's kind of a singular isolation. I think they figured some things out late. They kind of know who they are a little bit more now, and now they can start plugging holes. And I expect them to be adders and subtractors over the next few weeks in kind of a big way with splashy names. Westbrook might be one of those names. That's not a terrible situation because I think his, uh, his veteran experience and the intangible stuff he does, you know, if you, can, if you can utilize Westbrook and not need him to score, not need him to score, and figure out his free throw situation, he's an asset. So, yes. To me, a a team that's better equipped to do that, I don't think the Lakers have any sort of reverence in doing that. They don't want to sit on their hands and and try to, you know, figure out a new situation. They just want to play LeBron's offense. (laughs) So I I think he's got to be in a more fluid situation. And I think Indiana is the perfect fit for that. So I'm going Pacers. I'm big offseason for the Pacers here. Least active. For me, I'm going to say the Lakers, Scott, because I don't think anybody's going to bail them out anymore. So your conversation is valid, but only if teams play ball. And I think teams are done playing ball with LeBron. I think they're done. Uh, they, can, they can benefit from it. I think you know, somebody will get a Malik Monk and do fine. But that's going to be a sign-and-trade situation. That's, that's going to be out of LeBron's control. LeBron's saying, I want this guy and this guy and this guy. Why would, why would relinquishing teams play ball with that anymore? You, you saw what happened when his plan doesn't work last year. 
let's just keep on that path. So I'm going to say the yeah, Lakers it, it, because it, the rest of the league is just going to say, no, thank you. Who, if you had to pick a different team just to be completely inactive this offseason, who do you think it would be? Mm. Mm. Who's kind of stuck in the mud here? Uh, stuck in the mud. Yeah. Um, uh, that's hard because I can see I'm looking at the yeah, list. Most of teams, teams do things. Can... <laughs> All right. It's a pretty damn good league. <laughs> um, I I think they already made a, a, a semi move with Oklahoma city. I think Denver, yeah. because I think they're getting two players back. That's a sore, you know, it's like getting a trade or assigning two players that hadn't been on your team for a year. And you're going to get Michael Porter jr. And Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray back. So I'm, I'm going to go with Denver. They may do a few things here and there, but I'm going to say they're probably the team that isn't going to, do as much as some other teams. That's an easy pick. I think that's just kind of an annual tradition for them. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. I'm going to throw one more team in the hat. If, if Toronto can't or doesn't move Siakam, Toronto's not doing anything because I think they like who they are. They just want to grow up one more year, especially the Scotty Barnes situation. Yeah. It's they're well coached. They're well built. I, I think that's a team that just wants to see one more year of who they are and try to jump back up in that East. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that that statement. And and they were what the five seed, yeah. so I, they probably like where they're at. They may add a, you know another depth aspect to their roster. Just an exception I, player, I, sure. Yeah, and if we're not if we're not talking about movements of players, you can probably throw Golden State in there as well. Mm-hmm. They'll probably have some you know extension talks and that kind of thing. Otto Porter Jr. Well, let's smooth transition then, because my next question was going to be Andrew Wiggins. You think he stays? Does he sign? I think the conversation is going to be there to extend him. Okay. Uh, if if I'm if I'm Golden State. The control is more so to a certain extent in your your court where mm-hmm. he he's under contract still for another year. Jordan Poole, you you can extend this offseason, a similar conversation we had before where you extend him and have the the control long term. And then if you need to move off of him, you can do so. But you don't necessarily have to extend pool. You don't necessarily have to extend Wiggins because you'll you'll have his rights and you can wait and see one more year is what what his growth was this year true enough that when you get to next year's free agency you can re-sign him if you choose to or if his value goes so high that he wants to go to another team and uh, because there's going to be so many free agents in the 23 free agent class do you facilitate the a sign and trade to Wiggins go somewhere and you bring it back some assets to yourselves now with their finances being so high next year and then projected out for the year after then you know they're not they're not going to be able to do a sign and trade coming back most likely unless they move some other pieces but um i i would not be surprised if wiggins gets an extension based off of what just happened but then again they do have the control to just wait until next year and deal with that i think they wait on this one I think they wait on this one. Now, Wiggins is going to, he's not going to like that. I mean, his camp is going to say, look, this guy's finally got to figure it out. He's one of the reasons you have the ring right now. We got to get this done or we're going to find work elsewhere. That, that's possible. I, I think it's it possible it gets to that point this offseason. 
and and Scott, if you're Golden State, do you process that trade? Because look, uh, you were about to say out of Porter Jr. You're you're probably right. He he probably priced himself out of coming back to this roster. He's going to go find latch on with right, a, 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 yep. you know, a more cap friendly situation, and and try to get himself an extra two million per year. And I think he'll do that. But you can't lose both your small forwards here, in my opinion, because Kaminga can't can't fit into that role yet. He's not ready for that. He is, he's a quasi five, maybe four here at best. And Wiggins just did a hell of a lot more than that. He was, I mean, he was on the ball. He was, you know, slashing, driving to the, to the can. He was hitting threes pretty well. He's a lot more versatile than many of these young guys they have in this roster. So they, Wiggins does hold a little bit of leverage here if he simply says, extend me or get me out of here. Does Golden State just have to say, we'll give you a two-year tack on? You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a full four, a full five. He's only 27 or 26, by, or 27, recently 27. So it's not like there's an age situation and there's clearly a fit situation here. I just think that's got to be what Bob Meyer is, is contemplating right now. How do we handle this without ruffling too many feathers? Because I think they'd want to do what you just laid out, which is let this contract expire and then happy to extend you if we're still in good graces or We'll find that sign and trade and, and go from there like they did with Durant a couple of years ago. Do you think that they just have to play ball and, and push it out a few more years so that they don't bring the drama in? Yeah, that's a good. Good point. Uh, yeah, I could see them doing a, a, a one year, two year tack on to just extend their time for. Uh, Let me ask you one more question. Am, am I am I overthinking this? Does Wiggins even have a trade market? Oh, I think he has a trade market. I, I mean, because this guy was a bust 14 months ago. Like a legitimate I think his growth, number one bust. <laughs> no, I, I think his growth has shown that he he has some assets to a team. Specifically, he can step up when he needs to, but he has the defensive aspect that some teams do absolutely need okay. golden state is one of those teams that need that defense if you're going to trade wiggins you're going to have to get back one two players that are when combined for defensive presence are are at the level of what wiggins was because of, remember if gary payton if he wasn't there with his defensive aspect you know draymond stepped up when he absolutely needed to but if you if they did not have the the defensive part going into that finals, we're probably having a different conversation. So they're a team that if they do add in some capacity, they need to look for a player that can do defense. You know, Wiseman could be coming back. That could be a the defensive presence that you know is similar to. Um, some of these other conversations where, you know, where I mentioned Denver with two players coming back. So there is, there probably is a trade market, but I agree with what you're saying. Extend them one or two years, lengthen the time that you have to make a discussion of, do we trade him or not? He fits well with Golden State. So why, yeah. why ruffle those feathers? He, he seems to get along with everybody. So it could be that situation. Wiggins demands the trade, and Philly offers Tobias Harris and Matisse Tybel for him. Who says no? 
Mm, possibly Golden State because of what contract Tobias Harris still has left on his contract. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it's an interesting thought. Okay. Team most likely to blow it up, Utah or Portland? You can't say both. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go jazz on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the writing is sort of on the wall. Yeah. When the coach quit, the the coach (laughs) quits, like, you know, what, two weeks before the draft is here and I'm deciding to step down and now they're in a coaching, you know, interviews and it certainly wasn't because they had another guy lined up. Let's put it that way. You're absolutely right with that. So I think it, that is the team that if one domino falls, we may see more. Okay. Can the Knicks find a buyer for Julius Randle? After what was just the weirdest season ever. <laughs> Wasn't it the weirdest? I, I just I, don't I, understand. I don't, first it, of all, I don't understand why they paid him. This early extension stuff has got to stop in this league. It's ridiculous. You're empowering players that just don't deserve it. Everybody can have a good year. Let's let guys have three. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah, the, the the extension rules are kind of weird. We we talked about this. Yeah, but why are we know, so afraid of free agency? This league is so afraid of cap space and free agency. They hate it. They loathe it. They despise it. Let's just yeah, let they, some things play out here and there. Yeah, I agree. It, it was a roller coaster of the extreme high to the very low, and now where where do you assess him? I think there's a team that probably would take him on because of the need for a big man. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a handful of teams that are going to seek that out this offseason, whether it be via trade or via free agency. Uh, so I, there probably is a market for him. It just depends on the the team. And hopefully if he does get moved, it's the right team that he can fit and gel. OK. I don't think he moves again. I don't know why. Look, at I, I'm not going to say it's not possible. Everybody's tradable in this league because of what I just said. But again, that, to me, that I look at that and say, why would a team bail them out? E- either Randall turns into a great player again, or we stick the Knicks with that situation. A, a team would bail them out if they feel Randall is the piece that they need at the big man down low situation. Scotty they flat off took half the year off last year. Right, but every team thinks that they can turn a player we around. We can fix them. It's like every ex-girlfriend. We can fix them. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of money to be, to be a, a project. Let's put it that way. There's a lot left on this contract. In fact, there's $117 million left on this contract. So not the easiest situation to get yourself in if you're trying to acquire them. Now, look, if they're offering number 10 or number 11 or you know, one of their youngsters, certainly Barrett or Toppin, now we're talking. Now we'll take that contract on. But I, I don't think you're just depleting your roster of Julius Randle for a couple of assets coming back. To me, that's not a standard trade situation, but I think it's certainly a question this offseason. Most, or you tell me this actually, because these are the essentially the top three agents, and I'm going to put a couple of uh, player option situations in this conversation. Stay with their current team or find a new dig. Zach Levine, Kyrie Irvin, Bradley Beal, Jalen Brunson. Go for it. I believe Zach Levine probably stays in Chicago. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Bradley Beal is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I th- 
I think he stays with Washington and gets the money that he needs to so that in a year or two, if the roster still isn't where he needs it to be, he says peace. Um, Jalen Brunson, I think he, if he goes somewhere else, it's most likely going to be a sign and trade somewhere. Yeah. I'm, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say he goes somewhere else. Okay. Even though Dallas should probably keep him. <laughs> and Kyrie. Yeah, I left him last for a reason. Yeah. Um he he's he's an enigma in itself. Um sure. I guess should we add retirement to that list? <laughs> <laughs> plays plays 40 games again. Um I am going to say hmm. I'll say he's on a different team. All right. Phenomenally, I have the exact opposite answers. I think <laughs> I think Zach Levine goes. I believe Chicago doesn't want to overpay him because he, they know about an injury situation more than other teams do. I think Kyrie stays because that's just the only option he's going to have. I think it is time for Bradley Beal to go, and I think his his quiet demeanor right now is the tell. Usually he's out there saying, no, nah, no, nah, I'm here. Let's rebuild this thing. Yeah, he's not you're saying right. that anymore, Scott. He's not saying you're right. I think he's done. And Jalen Brunson should go because teams that miss out on the point guards in the lottery should be, should be signing trading for Jalen Brunson. There's going to be some reservation with doing that. There's going to be a Terry Rozier type. Uh, we yep. can't get ourselves into that situation type scare off. And Dallas is just going to say, forget it. We'll pay him. We'll keep him. So I, I literally have the opposite answers to you right now. <laughs> yeah, but you have you 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 have great points, and both of the both sides in my head were were going back yeah. and forth, and I obviously had to make a decision. I, you are completely spot on with the Bradley Beal quietness. Yeah, it's just different. Uh, it feels different. It, it does, and if he is one that moves, depending on what team he goes to. That could be the linchpin to a lot of things happening in you, the league. You and I talked about this. You know where I think he's going to end up, and I don't think it's crazy. I think the Heat are going to make a splash this this offseason with, uh, with one or two big names, and they have some kids that, you know, teams like Washington kind of, you know, salivate for, and Tyler Hero, possibly even a Robinson if he can figure out the shot. So I, I think Beal's gone because I think the big boys will be calling this offseason for sure, and Washington probably can't say no anymore. Two more. DeAndre Ayton, can we get ourselves an offer sheet out of this one? Because you know how much I love the offer sheet, offer sheet in any sport. Is it happening? You, or, or is you, Phoenix going to be, uh, you know, are they not going to allow that situation to happen because they don't like to be bullied around with their finances? Yes, you love the offer sheet. And I do not think an offer sheet happens because yeah. of the reason that in order to sign a player to an offer sheet, you have to have cap space and there are very few teams that are going to have the cap space that is needed to throw an offer sheet out to that kind of player. So it's most likely going to be stay with Phoenix or a signing trade or, you know, a, uh, sign, sign the qualifying offer that Phoenix gives him, but I, I do not foresee an offer sheet. There's one chance in my mind. One. If if the Hornets let Miles Bridges walk, mm. I think they will be able to open up enough cap space to put an offer sheet on Aiden. 
And I actually like the fit, especially if D'Antoni's the coach. If D'Antoni's the coach, DeAndre Ayton's got to go there. Um, So that's my hope. That's the one hope I have out here. Now, the other other point, Scott, is that we're talking about all these big men that might move around. Why would anybody put an offer sheet out for a big man if you can just go get a different big man? Now, you know, Ayton's a a solid player. He's one of the top big men probably available here outside of Gobert. But it's... uh, it's just one of those things I, I look for every year, a couple of players like that. I think there's at least a chance for an offer sheet, but it's not likely. All right, let's finish on the craziness. We've been talking to Houston here for quite a bit. We got to talk John Wall. It's got to happen. Yep. <laughs> we um, do. You know, you can put the money aside. He's going to make his money no matter what. 47.3, he opted in and exercised that player option yesterday. No surprise there. <clears throat> what do we know about Houston? Are, are they going to play this guy? It was last year just the we want this guy to be 145% healthy before we ever put him back on the court? Or was, or is there a real riff? Is, is there like, we, we bought you to sit you, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And if somebody wants to give us an asset, we'll do that. But we're just kind of reserved at the fact that you're our chance to get to the salary floor, and that's all this is. So Keith and I had this conversation yesterday before the option even went down because I was prepping for this question. I knew it was going to come up. So we were bouncing things back and forth and we both said he was probably going to opt in, which he did. And so the conversation came up, do they just sit him for the whole year? Do they buy him out? Do they wait to the trade deadline? Keith, Keith was saying he's probably going to, if the, if, they get into the beginning of the off season and they realize there are, there is absolutely no trade market for him whatsoever. Okay. A, a buyout is more likely to come during this off season, most likely giving back around, you know, $10 million. He said, because if he can go to another team and use the mid-level mm. exception on those teams, he's just giving back what he is going to make again. So it'll be a wash. Okay. That's, that's good business there. So there's a slotted value for the MLE that many teams would, would probably which, use for John wall that, that Houston could then relinquish. I, I like this idea. Okay. Which, which is on par with what Shams came out and said in, in the afternoon, which was he exercised the option he and the, his agents and the team are now figuring out what that future looks like. It, so it's on par with that. So it, it's most likely that John Wall is not going to be on Houston's roster to to start the season unless some negotiation happens and they say, yeah, we want you to play. But I, I don't think that's the case either. So it's most likely he is going to be on a different team to start the season, I would guess. So the Knicks non-taxpayer MLE is 10.2 million. Is that the likely scenario here, Scott? No, I think if you, (laughs) not at all. I think if you're, if you're, uh, if you're John Wall, you're going to try to go to a a contender. You're not going to go to a team. So, uh, you know, I I asked Keith this too. I was like, well, what are you thinking? He's like, this is purely speculation on his end. It is not reporting, but he thinks if good fits would be someone like the the Clippers or the Heat. I could see the Clippers for sure. The Heat makes I, sense because Kyle Lowry looks 55 years old I, right now. I think the Clippers make a lot of sense from the moves that they made at the trade deadline yeah. and knowing that Paul George has had injuries, Kawhi Leonard's coming off the injury. 
If you can get John Wall, who hasn't played – I mean, you put out that tweet. He's played 40 games in three seasons. Yeah, four. Uh, it, it, so – But, but, they but Scott, that they're debt. taxpayers. So that MLE is going to be about $6 million next year. It, it would. So that increases the buyout amount. It could. Yeah. So it, it, I just think, you know, those two teams, I think he – Keith is pretty dialed into yeah, yeah. where players and, and, and where they fit well, which is why I asked him. And, and those are the teams he came up with all, all, off the top of his head. I, I agree with the Clippers for the fact that they're going to need depth. I think Miami's a similar situation. And yeah. Miami's interesting, going back to some of your other questions, I think Miami is a team that could potentially have a lot of moves this this season, knowing they may extend Tyler Hero, what do you do with Duncan Robinson? Is Bam the guy that you want to move forward with, or mm-hmm. do you move him? You know, Victor Oladipo, he had some roles in the playoffs. Is is market up that he can go to a different team? So I think that Miami team is could be in some limbo moving forward. I like the Miami fit quite a bit, actually. Now that I'm seeing this thing on paper, they do have the non-tax MLE, so it's over 10 mil. So that would help Houston out a little bit here. I, and Kyle Lowry was a shell of himself in the yeah. in obviously injured, but I, it's it's whether or not he can get back to return for the next two seasons because he's under right, contract three twenty three here. If we if we saw if we saw anything out of the playoffs, it was teams must be deep. Yeah, going into but, but also the playoffs. Let, John Wall's not an eighty-two game player. Let's let's be perfectly frank. So, can you get forty and forty out of but Lowry you need and Wall? That's what I'm saying. Can you get half a right. season out of each of Lowry and Wall? It's probably just good business for Miami. So that they're on the list for sure. It's a good fit. Okay, so and John and John Wall could be in tip-top shape. Come back and he'll sign, <laughs> and we'll all be like, "Oh my God, the value is unbelievable for what he's playing at." But again, good point. It, all right, I'm going to stick with your guns there. I'm going to say you're going to, you, so we're talking off-season buyout that uh that's that gives him everything but the MLE and then he goes find an, and find an MLE salary somewhere with a contender. That's the plan here for John Wall. But he still makes his 473. <laughs> uh, in total, yeah, he's going to still yeah. make that money. <laughs> All right. All right, last question. Get you out of here on this. Your guess is at the current preseason odds, the favorite <laughs> and the dog the worst wow. and best odds for the 2022-23 season based on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Wow, you buried your lead because I already had it in my doc here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get I'm going to go 2 for 2. Obviously, at Golden State's at plus yeah. 500 right now and then you've got a tie between the four teams at the top of the draft at yeah. uh what 5 500 to 1. So um of no, the four, no of Orlando, OKC, Houston, and Detroit. Who doesn't belong in that conversation? Um, probably got, Orlando. Okay, so you think some of these kids are going to take a step forward? I, 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 I do. I, I'm hopeful of that, but I think it, they're a year away from being a year away. Scott, I think OKC is ready. I think OKC hit lightning in a bottle two straight drafts. You're, yeah. And, now that I think and SGA it. is going to be healthy and they should have at least three to four players playing at all times that are as good as many teams in this league. So I, I think if they draft properly here, if they get a stud, it, like, I mean, if, 
if they end up with Jabari, which I think is a very nice wing fit for SGA, and, and obviously Giddy, or if they somehow find Chet, which I know they want. Chet's the player they want. If, if Orlando goes Jabari like I want them to, and OKC ends up with Chet, I think that team's ready to be a middling team in this, in this Western Conference, which is all they need to be, right? You can't go from zero to 100 in this league, but you can go from zero to 50. And yeah. I, th- I think there's a real good chance that they're a fringe playing team. So I don't think yeah, they belong yeah. here right now, but they're obviously not contenders. No, but but you make a great point because if you read the tea leaves, the fact that they made a trade with Denver for Jermichael Green right. and obviously Derek Favors was going to opt in to his salary, but they have all these pieces. They may realize now is the time that we have to start hitting on some of these. And if Chet is the guy that they end up with, right. then that just doubles down on. We know we're ready to move forward. Let's We've got these young kids. Let's bring in some veterans to mold some of these kids. I agree. That's a team that could definitely jump up. I also think this is a Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard team. Right. But because of the assets, because of the, the cap space, because there's just a lot of reasons they could be the biggest, the biggest buyer for some of these guys that you know aren't superstars right now because of injuries or, or just weird seasons, but I think are being pushed off their current rosters. And I know it sounds bad to send Dame Lillard to OKC, but OKC could be the next coming after all these years and all these terrible moves. I think they are, they are turning that corner. And I don't, I don't know that they're ready for that kind of splashy trade yet, but I do think they're ready to start being at least annoying in the Western Conference. Let's, let's put it that way. All right, man. Good luck with the draft. We'll be tracking this on Track every single pick with the, uh, with the rookie scale contract sitting right there on the draft tracker. That'll be tomorrow night. And then we'll do some analysis with Keith following that for the next pop. Good stuff. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. My thanks to the athletic check out the athletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. And by the way, speaking of draft stuff, there's an unbelievable NBA draft guide on the athletic. Uh, you can see it basically on every sidebar of spot track or just go to the athletic slash NBA. And it's sitting right there for you. An unbelievable amount of depth and research and thoughts and opinions on seven on the top 75 prospects for this upcoming draft. So not something you want to miss if you're a subscriber. And if you're not, start at theathletic.com slash track. Sign up, get yourself 40% off, and hit up that draft guide for sure. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Check out dynastyowner.com. Use track 20 track 20 Get yourself $20 off to get, in, get this thing in now. Get yourself set up. Start customizing your league. Get your friends involved and get ready for a great NFL Dynasty fantasy season. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trade Podcast.